0: Good morning. I hope you are doing well. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting uh, this congregation or our city, uh, we are grateful for your presence and uh, hope that uh, we will see you again. Um, there's a lot of things going on, and uh, it's one of the indications that we're getting close to Christmas. Uh, there's a lot of activities and parties and, and fun times, and so we want to bring some of those to your attention. If you're able and you haven't already done so, please consider uh, stopping by the the big truck outside and uh, donating blood. They could really use it, and it will be helpful for our community and perhaps even one of... Um, your loved ones, or even ourselves at some point in the future. Uh, Also happening today is a picnic. Uh, You can go get some food and join the children's ministry, third to fifth graders, I think it is, Uh, and they'll be out back at the pavilion enjoying uh, lunch together and letting the kids play and hanging out and the parents talking with one another. This week we have a number of different things going on. Um, There will be an activity uh, for this ministry, as we've mentioned already, Days for Girls. Uh, It will be on Thursday at uh, Debbie Schwepp's house, Debbie and Paul's house. Uh, And so uh, you can... Uh, talk to her if you're not able to attend. I think they're talking about trying to uh, find other times for individuals that can't make it on Thursday morning. It's a really important ministry, uh, and, uh, and it's one that needs more participation. So I'm glad, very much so, that uh, God has put it on Debbie's heart to share this and bring this uh, to the congregation. Uh, on Saturday, we've got a couple different things happening. There's going to be this breakfast with a, uh, a larger guy dressed in red. Um, and uh, you are welcome to, to be a part of that and take your kids. The, uh, the, the details are inside your, uh, uh, your, your bulletin there. There's also an evangelism ministry meeting. There's a West Kendall Life Group meeting. And so uh, there's a lot of things on Saturday, but this week that you can be thinking about and preparing. And then the Sunday before Christmas, which will be the 22nd, that evening, we'll have a bilingual celebration here where we'll have an activity and uh, some snacks and refreshments and a time to to share before before Christmas. Uh, New Year's will also have a celebration. falls on January 1 on Wednesday night. And so um, there's details in the bulletin about that, and you can read more about that in a little bit. So, with all of that in mind, is it beginning to feel a little like Christmas? <laughs> the, the cold weather last week helped, but now we're back into uh, summertime again, and, uh, or spring, I guess. It's not quite summer. Um, but, uh, but, you know, on the one hand, you can tell we're getting close to Christmas because of the ads on TV. All the radio stations since, like, about Halloween started playing Christmas songs, and um, the, the, the traffic and the stores... And and, and while you might have a love-hate relationship with Christmas, there's some things lately that have been taking place that just make it hard, make it hard for me to kind of get in the spirit. I mean, this shooting that happened in Miramar, that's just so crazy. Uh, um, The entire world is thinking and talking about Miramar, Florida, and, and this craziness that took place there. The impeachment process is just driving a wedge deeper between Republicans and Democrats and and it's just maddening to think about the politics of our country. Illnesses continue to claim the lives of dearly dearly loved ones and while some recover others don't and it's just it's just difficult especially at the holidays. And this Christmas season will have a number of our family who will be experiencing the holidays for the first time since the loss of one of their loved ones. The commercialization of this most wonderful time of the year is just so frustrating. Where Christmas is all about buying bigger and better, you know, when when your when your wife tells you that she just wants something. No, real, not real big, just something small. She means jewelry, guys. So, you know, that's just a word to the wise. But um, <laughs> I told that in the Spanish, and, and, and the sisters kind of all said, amen, 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 amen. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we might make the mistaken venture of looking for hope on TV or watching the news for some pick-me-up good story. We, we might hope that we could find... Uh, some hope in the stability of our country and things that are happening around us. And the reality is, is every time we look at what is happening in the world around us, it does not give us cause for hope. It gives us cause for frustration and sadness. And so the question is, where do we find hope? And, and the title of this sermon is Overflowing with Hope. How do we have so much hope that it can't even be contained in our lives, that it overflows. Well, the text for today, Romans chapter 15, will guide us to where that hope can be found. And it's not going to be what you think. So before we get into the text, Romans 15, 4 through 13, I need to give you a little bit of background about this letter that Paul is writing to the Romans. The the story of this letter actually begins in Jerusalem some 25 to 30 years before Paul's actually writing this letter. On the day of Pentecost, there were some Roman Jews or Jews who were living in Rome who were present the day of Pentecost. We assume that some of them made the decision to be baptized and became Christ followers. These would have been among other Jewish people, who came to Jesus, the first Messianic Jews. Jews by ethnicity, by social traditions and customs, who now believed in Jesus as their Messiah. After the festivities were over, then they returned back to their home in Rome. And we would assume they began a church, like people did in the early centuries, uh, in the first century, all over the, the, the Roman Empire. Well that church would have looked very Jewish much like the churches that we read about in the New Testament especially in the book of Acts So they would have had Jewish foods at their dinners they would have respected Jewish customs and traditions they for all practical purposes looked like Jews who worshipped Jesus Now in addition to Jewish followers there were most likely some Gentiles they were living in Rome who had decided to kind of get close and hang out. But in order to do so in those days, and you remember some of the controversy in the book of Galatians and others, the expectation was, well, you kind of have to be a Jew. You have to be like one of us in order to be a part of this church. And that continued for about 20 years until Claudius became the emperor. And then some things happened in the, in, in, the, in the city of Rome that led him to expel all the Jews from the city. The Edict of Claudius, 4950 A.D. And so now all the Jews, Christians and not, have had to evacuate the city. And what used to be a Jewish church very quickly became a Gentile church because there were no more Jews. So without the presence of the Jews, then, the Gentiles could bring pulled pork. They could have their specific foods and interests and the things that they liked. They stopped worshiping or recognizing Jewish holy days. And then, for about five years, they continued growing as a Gentile church. Claudius dies. His successor was a young man named Nero, who once he became emperor said, ah, out with all that junk that Claudius did, Jews, come on back. Now the Jews returned to Rome, the Christians returned to the Roman church, and now all of a sudden they found it, a very, very different church. Try and imagine what it would be like if, by some stroke of weirdness, The decree was, all the Latinos have to leave Miami. There wouldn't be many people left in the first place. (laughs) But the people who would be left were, obviously, all the non-Latinos. Sunset would look very, very different. We would not have bilingual services anymore. We probably wouldn't need to have two assemblies. We would look and act very different. We might become a monolingual, monocultural church. Everything in English. No translation. And then they come back. They say, hey, what would you do to my church? I remember when it used to be. So when the Jewish Christians came back to Rome, they found themselves in a weird place. The church they had started now didn't look like their church anymore. And so there was conflict. What did you guys do to my church? When we left it with you, we left it in good shape, and now you've turned it into a Gentile church. And there was this conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles and the back and the forth and the back and the forth. And they fought over what kind of foods you could have at your, at your fellowship meals. They fought about which days you should respect and maintain holy. They fought about the types of sins that Jewish people commit and the Gentile people commit. Can oil and water mix? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he said, well, we're all thinking, nah, it ain't going to happen. Nope, you can shake it, but sooner or later it kind of settles out. So, can fanatics of UM and UF and FSU and FIU and UCF and any more letters you want to throw in there, uh, can, can they all worship in the same church? Ideally, our brains say yes. Can immigrants and native-born share the same congregation? Can Republicans and Democrats sit together on the same pew and share the same loaf and worship together? Our brains say yes, but sometimes our hearts tell us something a little bit different. How do we live with people who are other, who are different, You know, for the Latinos that have moved from Central and South America, many of them come with long-standing rivalries with different countries. If you share a border, then, you know, Nicaraguans and Costa Ricans, Argentines and Chileans, Argentines and Uruguayans, Argentines and just about anybody else in the world. There's conflict. And the tendency is, you know what, we're just going to go off here and and let those people do their thing and let us do ours. And and Paul says, that's not what God's church should look like. That's not what should happen. Is there hope for a divided church in Rome? Paul's answer is yes. But it's not going to be based on the government. It's not going to be based on economy. It's not going to be based on any of those things where we typically find affinity where we join with people and and through the letter he goes back and forth talking to the jews and then to the gentiles and to the jews and to the gentiles and we're getting to the conclusion and where he really the rubber meets the road kind of talk when we get to chapter 15 so as we read this text i want you to pay attention to where does our hope come from what does paul say Where is our hope? He's going to tell us in very, very clear terms, but unless we're focusing on it, we might miss it. So let's read the text. Romans 15, beginning in verse 4. Such things, talking about relationships of God and the Jewish people, such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures, whenever Scripture talks about Scripture, it's referring to the Old Testament. The Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. The Old Testament texts, Paul says, give us hope. In the church, we tend to minimize the Old Testament texts. We tend to put them to one side. We tend to think that, yeah, they're just kind of, you know, God condemning and, and taking vengeance on a whole bunch of people. Paul says the scriptures are designed to give us hope and encouragement. And we'll see why in just a second. May God, Paul says, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you and us live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you, Jews and Gentiles in Rome, can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Therefore, and this is the rubber meets the road, Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Accept one another. Paul began in chapter 14, verse 1 with the same admonition. Welcome or accept one another. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. And this is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, O you Gentiles. Yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the gentiles and they will place their hope on him i pray that god the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with a confident hope that through the power uh, the confident hope through the power the holy spirit so paul says that our hope comes from scripture that talks about God, that was written by God, that was given by God, and talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and His coming, and talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. And that story, that message is what gives us hope for the future. And that message is what we are celebrating at Christmas time the arrival of Jesus to the earth. The scriptures clearly teach that God wants to include jews and gentiles in his family he wants to include us and the message of christmas is that god sent his son jesus to be born as a baby to live as an adult male so that after dying when he was resurrected he would become the lord and savior of all people jews gentiles and everybody in between and the specific message for us is that as God's own people, we should accept one another the same way Jesus has accepted you. How has Jesus accepted you? When you think about God visiting this earth, when you read through the Gospels and you think about how Jesus interacted with people, how has Jesus accepted me? Did, Did Jesus say... Well, Jim, before I can talk to you, you need to change all this stuff in your life because, yeah, I can't do that. Did Jesus tell Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, before I can sit at your table, you know what? You need to uh, uh, get your house in order. You need a clean house, get rid of your sin, and then I'll come and sit with you. When Jesus went to the house of the Pharisee and a woman of uh, questionable background came and began washing his feet with her hair because she was crying so much and, and the mud was streaking and she tried to wash it with her hair and dry it with her hair did, did he say a, 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 a point of order uh, first you need to repent you need to change your life and then you can come back and see me jesus accepted us as we were and as we are and and, and when jesus says that he came to give us and lead us and guide us to salvation, it starts wherever we find ourselves. And that process of him accepting us is what the scriptures call justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. But then God doesn't leave us there and he begins the process of sanctification, which means making us holy. And there has to be life changes. There has to be changes in attitudes. There has to be changes in behavior. And how long it takes just depends. But it all starts with God accepting us and us accepting one another. Max Lucado tells a story of a lady that wanted to bring a monkey to live in her house. You know, people do that every now and then. It's kind of strange. It's kind of dangerous, actually. The husband said, Lot, like, heh, or, Take, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. You, you, you mean the monkey's gonna sit at our table? And the wife said, yeah. Hmm. He said, you mean the monkey's gonna sit on my couch watching TV with me? She said, yes. You, you, you mean that the monkey is gonna sleep in our bed? She said, yeah. He said, well, what about the stink? And she said, well, I got used to you. I suppose the monkey can too. (laughs) God accepts us stink and all. And then he begins to wash us. Just think for a second. If you could wash yourself of all your stink before you came to Jesus, why, why do you need Jesus? If you can get rid of all your sins without God's help, then why even come to him? If I could deal with my addictions and my habits and my behaviors and my thought processes and everything that's wrong with me, if I could deal with all that before I come to Jesus, why even make that next step? I've already fixed my life. And the reality is I can't do any of that by my own. That's why I need the power of the Holy Spirit I need the help of his people in the congregation. I need the collective group so that we can together overcome. So Jesus accepts us with our different values and perspectives. He accepts us with our different behaviors. He accepts us. And in the same way, we should also then accept others. And this is something that he has said in Scripture all along. Look what he says in Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in verse 6. In that day, someday, there will be a day when the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hands in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. We know that that's pointing to a time beyond our time on earth. But as Jesus prayed, may God's kingdom be seen here. May his will be done here just as it is being done in heaven. And so this is the place where these scriptures begin to get fulfilled. And the church, of all places in the world, is the place where people with different ideals and different perspectives and different attitudes and different behaviors come together. God's kingdom is where peoples who used to attack, devour, and harm one another now live in peace. As God has accepted us, so we ought also to accept those that God have loved. And it also means that in the way that you accept Jesus, you should accept others. I don't know how you're preparing for the coming of the birth of Christ. It's kind of weird to wait for something that's already happened. Isn't that kind of strange? (laughs) But every year we wait For the coming of the Messiah once again. Because we need the reminder of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And he didn't come just to forgive our sins. He didn't come just to uh, 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 make our life a little bit better. He came so that we would be the people that he could live with forever. He came to take us home, but he also came to live among us. Our hope is not in what Santa Claus might bring on the night of December 24th or the early morning of September 25th. Our our hope has nothing to do with those kinds of gifts. Our hope is that Jesus again affirms his love, his commitment, Disgrace to us. And he tells us one more time, I love you so much I want to be with you. And I want to stay with you. And I want to live with you. I love you so much that I would give my life to be Emmanuel, God living with us. You know, we talk about going to heaven. And I think that's an accurate description. But, but you know, it's interesting. In Revelation it says that the holy city... You remember? Comes down. So as we're going to heaven, heaven is coming to us and we meet in the middle. The biblical narrative doesn't end with the cross. It doesn't even end with the resurrection. It ends with God and his people being together. And that's the Christmas message. And that's what gives us hope. Every year we're reminded, yes, I still love you. Yes, I still want to come. Yes, I will be with you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay where we are. He accepts us as we are and then asks us to change. He asks us to become different. He asks us to put aside our petty rivalries and differences and become united as one people. And that was the message that Paul gave to the Romans, and that's the message that he would share with us on this December 8th. If there's a way that we can help you in that process, we would love to do so. If you need to be baptized so God can begin this work in you, if you need his help overcoming the sins and the issues you have, this is the place to start if you have something in your life that you want to share with the brothers, whether it be a sin or a need or a motive of rejoicing, we would love to hear from you as well. So we're going to stand and sing, and if you'd like, you make your way down to the front. Thank you.